What is good, y'all? It is your boy, Jonathan Dumas here, and so excited to be with you again. Sorry we've been gone for a minute. Um, I'm just going to say it right up front. I lied to y'all. We're not going to have episodes to you every single week. What we are going to do is actually work on a theme, share that theme, have some dope-ass conversations with folks, take a break, work on the theme, craft that story, and then drop it again. What we're finding out, me and Reg, is that like we got stuff going on, and this is not like our full-time job. This is more of a passion thing, and yes, we've had sponsorships. Yes, you know we have wonderful, wonderful people supporting us, um, but we also know that this show takes a lot. So number one, I would love to encourage you to join our Patreon page. We now have a newsletter that you can join um, and support us um, financially. It really, really helps um, support the show, um, but with but to continue on with what I was saying is that we're going to be working on those themes, drop a theme, take a break, work on the in-between time on that theme, then drop it again. So, um, you know, uh, podcasting is long-form content, and so um, we want to be realistic with our timing. Um, so check that out. The, like I said, the newsletter is going to be in the show notes. Join that um, for the first 150 people that join the newsletter uh, are the news group. Uh, I'm actually going to be sending you a small gift. And then for... Um, uh, for folks who want to join the Patreon page, that will be there as well. We have a three, five, and a ten dollar um, tier, so really, really excited for those. Um, and yeah, if you join that as well, you get a free gift. So either way, you're gonna get a free gift. So um, yeah. Anyways, that's some updates and news for you today. What I wanted to do is share something that I actually read almost every single year on the Fourth of July, um, or that pops up on the Fourth of July. I thought it'd be dope to read it for y'all. Um, it is Frederick Douglass's speech, What to the Slave is the Fourth of July? And personally, the Fourth of July always gives me like mixed feelings. When I think about and talk, and when I've talked to my family in the past, they're like, when we celebrated it, and I'm putting that in quotations if you're listening, it's never been really about the flag. It's just been an excuse to barbecue. We've never really had like a deep connection to that. And I always feel something when it comes to the American flag in general, not this deep, sincere connection to America uh, because of just what I've experienced, what I've seen, what I've witnessed on the news like every day of my life, um, right? And so there's just this always this, um, I don't know, I just don't feel the same thing as other people, white people, <laughs> when it comes to, or even other people, not just white people. I feel like folks who immigrate here and get their citizenship, it just means something else, right? Um, and I think the history of black folks in the U.S., I think that have... Um, that come from enslaved, uh, former enslaved folks. It's just, it's just hard. It's just hard. So Juneteenth feels more of like Freedom Day, more of like an Independence Day, but not fully, right? It's those free-ish um, t-shirts. So I wanted to read this speech they delivered to a group of abolitionists um, in his hometown. Uh, on July 5th, actually, 1852, Frederick Douglass was invited to address the citizens of his hometown in Rochester, New York, um, and it was very, very interesting because it was on the anniversary when he delivered this on the anniversary of, you know, the Declaration of Independence being signed. And he used this this time to not as an occasion to celebrate the triumphs of America, but to remind them of the continuing enslavement of millions of people. And I think oftentimes we get to this place and we're like we growing up, I remember uh, we're celebrating freedom, we're celebrating independence. It's like something a joyous time. But in America, we have like the most imprisoned population in the world. Like we have millions and millions of people in 
jail or prison. We have people that live in poverty, and poverty is a policy issue. There's just so many different things. And the Supreme Court cases that have come out um, this summer have been atrocious. Uh, particularly, I'm thinking of, you know, the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, um, thinking of the affirmative action case that just went out. There's so many different things, right? So I thought it would be fitting to read this. I came across it a few times uh, today as I was um, doing it. And I just decided, hey, why not record something and, and, and share it with folks? So um, I'm going to read this uh, speech to you. Not the whole thing, but I encourage you to read the whole thing. Um, I'll, I'll share a link for you to catch that um, in the description. So here it is. What to the American slave is your 4th of July? I answer a day that reveals to him more than all other days in the year the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is the constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham, your boasted liberty and unholy license, your national greatness swelling vanity, your sounds of rejoicing are empty and heartless, your denunciations of tyrants brass-fronted impudence, your shouts of liberty and equality, hollow mockery, your prayers and hymns, your sermons and thanksgiving with all your religious parade and solemnity are to him mere bombast, fraud, deception, impiety, and hypocrisy, a thin veil to cover up crimes which you, which would disgrace a nation of savages. There is not a nation on the earth guilty of practices more shocking and bloody than are the people of these United States at this very hour. Go where you may, search where you will, roam through all the monarchies and despotisms of the old world, search out every abuse, and when you have found the last, lay your facts beside this, um, by the side of the everyday practices of this nation, and you will say with me that for revolting barbarity and shameless hypocrisy, America reigns without a rival. Take the American slave trade, which is especially prosperous just now and carried on in all the large towns and cities in one half of this confederacy. In several states, this trade is a chief source of wealth. It is called the internal, internal slave trade in order to divert from it the horror which, from which, with which the foreign slave trade is contemplated. That trade has long since been denounced by this government as piracy, as an execrable traffic. To arrest it, this nation keeps a squadron at immense cost on the coast of Africa. Everywhere in this country, it is safe to speak of this foreign slave trade as a most inhuman traffic, opposed alike to the laws of God and of man. It is, however, a notable fact that while so much execration is poured out by Americans upon those engaged in the foreign slave trade, the men engaged in the slave trade between the states pass without condemnation and their business is deemed honorable. Behold the practical operation of this internal slave trade, the American slave trade, sustained by American politics and America religion. Here you will see men and women reared like swine for the market. You know what is you know what is a swine drover. I will show you a man drover. They inhabit all our southern states. They perambulate the country and crowd the highways of the nation with 
droves of human stock, you will see one of these human flesh jobbers armed with pistol, whip, and bowie knife driving a company of a hundred men, women, and children from the Potomac to the slave market of, at New Orleans. These wretched people are to be sold sing, singingly, singly, or in lots to suit purchasers. They are food for the cotton field and the deadly sugar mill. Mark the sad processions as it moves wearily along and the inhuman wretch who drives them. Hear his savage yells and his blood-chilling oaths as he hurries on his affrighted captives. There, there, see the old man with locks thinned and gray. Cast one glance, if you please, upon that young mother whose shoulders are bare to the scorching sun. Here, briny tears, her briny tears falling on the brow of the babe in her arms. See, too, that girl of 13 weeping, yes, weeping as she thinks of the mother from whom she has been torn. The droves moves Tardedly. Heat and sorrow have nearly consumed their strength. Suddenly you hear a quick snap, like the discharge of a rifle. The fetters clank and the chain rattles simultaneously. Your ears and are saluted with the scream and that seem to have torn its way to the center of your soul. The crack you heard was the sound of the slave whip. The scream you heard was from the woman you saw with the babe. Her speed had faltered under the weight of your child and her chains. That gash on her shoulder tells her to move on. Follow the drove to New Orleans. Attend the auction. See men examined like horses. See the farm, the forms of women rudely and brutally exposed to the shocking gaze of American slave buyers. See the drove sold and separated forever. Never forget the deep, sad sobs that arose from that scattered multitude. Tell me, citizens, where, under the sun, you can witness a spectacle more fiendish and shocking. Yet this is but a glance at the American slave trade as it exists at this moment in the United States. Fellow citizens, this murderous traffic is today in active operation in this boasted republic. In the solitude of my spirit, I see clouds of dust raised on the highways of the South. I see the bleeding footsteps. I hear the doleful wail of fettered human humanity. On the, on the way to the slave markets, where the victims are to be sold like horses, sheep, and swine, knocked off to the highest bidder, there I see the tendest, Tenderest ties ruthlessly broken to gratify the lust, caprice, and rapacity of the buyers and sellers of men. By an act of the American Congress, not yet two years old, slavery has been nationalized in its most horrible and revolting form. Mason Dixon's line has been obliterated. New York has become, as Virginia, and the power to hold and hunt and sell men, women, and children as slaves remains no longer a mere state institution, but it is now an institution of the whole United States. The power is co-extensive with the Star-Spangled Banner and American Christianity. Where, there, where these go may also go the merciless slave hunter. Where these are, man is not sacred. He is a bird for the sportsman's gun. But the most foul and fiendish of all human decrees, the liberty and person of every man, are put in peril. Your broad republican domain is hunting ground for men. 
Your lawmakers have commanded all good citizens to engage in this hellish sport. Your president, your secretary of state in force, as a duty you owe to your free and glorious country and to your God that you do this accursed thing. Not fewer than 40 Americans have, within the past two years, been hunted down and, without a moment's warning, hurried away in chains and consigned to slavery and excruciating torture. Some of these have had wives and children, dependent on them for bread. But of this, no account was made. The right of the hunter to his prey stands superior to the right of marriage and to all rights in this republic, the rights of God included. For black men, there are neither law nor justice, humanity nor religion. The fugitive slave law makes mercy to them a crime and bribes to the judge who tries them. An American judge gets $10 for every victim he consigns to slavery and five when he fails to do so. The oath of any two villains is sufficient. Under the hell black enactment to send the most pious and exemplary black man into the remorseless jaws of slavery. His own testimony is nothing. He could bring no witnesses for himself. The Ministry of America, justice is bound by the law to hear but one side, and that side is the side of the oppressor. Let the damning fact be perpetually told. Let it be thundered around the world that in tyrant-killing, and king-hating, people-loving, democratic, Christian America, the seats of justice are filled with judges who hold their offices under an open and palpable bribe and are bound in deciding the case of a man's liberty and a woman's liberty and their liberty to hear only his accusers. In glaring violation of justice, in shameless disregard of the forms of administering law, in cunning arrangement to entrap the defenseless, and in diabolical intent, the fugitive slave law stands alone in the annals of tyrannical legislation. Americans, your Republican politics, not less than your Republican religion, are flagrantly inconsistent. You boast of your love of liberty, you, your superior civilization, your, your, your pure Christianity, while the whole political power of the nation is solemnly pledged to support and perpetuate the enslavement of three millions of your countrymen. You hurl your anathem, anathem, anathemas at the crowned-headed tyrants of Russia and Austria and pride yourselves on your democratic institutions while you yourselves consent to be the mere tools and bodyguards of the tyrants of Virginia and Carolina. You invite to your shores fugitives of oppression from abroad, honor them with banquets, greet them with ovations, cheer them, toast them, salute them, protect them, and pour out your money to them like water. But the fugitives from your own land, you advertise, hunt, arrest, shoot, and kill. You discourse eloquently on the dignity of labor, yet you sustain a system which in its very essence casts a stigma upon labor. You can bear your bosom to the storm of British artillery to throw off a three-penny tax on tea, and yet wring the last hard-earned farthing from the grasp of the black laborers of your country. 
you profess to believe that of one blood God made all nations of men to dwell on the face of all the earth and hath commanded all men everywhere to love one another. Yet you notoriously hate and glory in your hatred all men whose skin are not colored like your own. You declare before the world and are understood by the world to declare that you hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And yet, and yet you hold securely in a bondage which, according to your own Thomas Jefferson, is worse than ages of that which your fathers rose in rebellion to oppose, a seventh part of the inhabitants of your country. Fellow citizens, I will not enlarge further on your national inconsistencies. The existence of slavery in this country brands your republicanism as a sham, your humanity as a base pretense, and your Christianity as a lie. It destroys your moral power abroad. It corrupts your politicians at home. It saps the foundation of religion. It makes your name a hissing and a byword to a mocking earth. Be warned. A horrible reptile is coiled up in your nation's bosom. The venomous creature is nursing at the tender breast of your youthful republic. For the love of God, tear away and fling from you the hideous monster and let the weight of 20 millions crush and destroy, crush and destroy it forever. And allow me to say, in conclusion, notwithstanding the dark picture I have this day presented of the state of this nation, I do not despair of this country. There are forces in operation which must inevitably work the downfall of slavery. I, therefore, leave off where I began with hope. While drawing encouragement from the Declaration of Independence, the great principle it contains, and the genius of American institutions, my spirit is cheered by the obvious tendencies of the age. Nations do not now stand in the same relation to each other that they did ages ago. No nation can now shut itself up from surrounding world and trot around in the same old path of its fathers without interference. The time was when such could be done. But a change has now come over the affairs of mankind. Walled cities and empires have become unfashionable. The arm of commerce has borne away the gates of the strong city. Intelligence is penetrating the darkest corner of the globe. Wind, steam, and lightning are its chartered agents. Oceans no longer divide, but link nations together. From Boston to London is now a holiday excursion. Space is comparatively annihilated. Thoughts expressed on one side of the Atlantic are distinctly heard on the other. In the fervent aspirations of William Lloyd Garrison, I say and let every heart join in saying it. Godspeed, the year of Jubilee, the wide world o'er. When from their galling change set free, the oppressed shall vilely bend the knee. And wear the yoke of tyranny like brutes no more. That year will come. 
and freedom's reign, to man his plundered rights again restore. Godspeed the day when human blood shall cease to flow, and every clime be understood, the claims of human brotherhood, and each return for evil, good, not blow for blow. That day will come all feuds to end, and change into a faithful friend, each foe. All right, y'all, that is it. Uh, I think I'm going to make that a tradition where just like reading that because it's so powerful, right? It, it is the anger. It's the frustration. It is the bitterness. Rightfully, rightfully, it's the righteous anger. I'm going to say that. It's not bitterness. I feel like bitterness has a negative connotation. But I encourage you to read that whole thing. It's pretty long. It was an hour long speech and I cut it down. But I want to encourage you to read that again. I'll have that in there. And again, please support the show. We launched a newsletter uh, we have a Patreon page revamped and all that. So support us, y'all. Support us, support us, support us. I am not offended to say <laughs> I'm not afraid to say that anymore. Support the show um, in some fashion, way. Um, and um, and you get a free gift anyway. So thanks, y'all, again for tuning in. We will be back very, very soon um, with our new theme. Really, really excited for that. Um, but I will catch y'all next time. Peace.